Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House. Welcome back to Rosie on the House. We're going to throw the doors wide open and welcome you all in. Do what we do every Saturday morning to do what we have to do to become every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And we've paraded through this studio some pretty high-ranking guests in our 30-year history. But I am absolutely uh, humbled and honored by having a special guest in today, Major General Mick McGuire, Arizona's Adjutant General. Thanks a million for making the time for us. I appreciate you having me, Rosie. And what what is Arizona's Adjutant General? Well, I serve uh, currently as the Adjutant General of the great state of Arizona. I have 53 colleagues out there uh, in the 49 states, three territories in the District of Columbia. Uh, And uh, I serve as a director of the Department of Emergency uh, Management and Military Affairs. So I have analogous functions to the federal government as both the uh, Secretary of Defense and the FEMA Administrator for Governor Ducey here in his cabinet. And we've brought you in because You are hosting, again, I think for 14 or 15 years, the Arizona Construction Career Days. That is correct. That is correct. The Career Construction Days is uh, coming up here next week, uh, 7th and 8th, I believe. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we we host a VIP reception on the 7th to kick off the start of the event. And it's a chance for us to... uh, work with uh, local nonprofits and uh, local um, construction companies, architectural companies, uh, small companies, big companies, heavy construction, uh, and different trades to bring out. I think last year we had over 200 vendors and over 2,000 high school kids from counties all over the state. So at Maricopa County, we had them up Yavapai, Coconino, um, uh, as far as uh, uh, Apache in yeah. uh, no, uh, uh, Navajo County. Bringing high school kids in yep. from all over the state. Yep. And I think as of today, uh, we were told, y'all are going to be over 3,500 students this that, week. Yep, they bring buses in. The counselors do a great job. And I, I've, I'm encouraged to do it for two reasons. Obviously, the Arizona Guard, you asked the question about my position. Uh, it, you know, the adjutant general is the second oldest position in our government. Uh, only the governor, Governor Ducey, has longer heraldry. First uh, uh, territorial governor, 1634. First adjutant general, 1636. And so uh, how, we, how does that relate to the military? Well, in the Air National Guard and the Army National Guard, uh, we recruit by of and through our citizens. So the 8,000 uh, of our neighbors who serve in the Guard of 6,000 of them may work on this radio show or work at a construction company, work in retail, and then also um, uh, serve as members of the Guard. Only 2,000 of them are there every day. This gives high school kids a chance to look at construction as a, a real career opportunity. It does, and it also exposes them to uh, this idea of civic service. And so the joint use of the, both the military, we provide the facility. The thrust of it is to give them what I would call access to what would be their full-time employment. And uh, obviously in the military, we have a whole ton of folks that also cross over into that area in engineering. 
and in construction uh, trades. And we do all kinds of trades with electricians, carpenters, plumbers, uh, HVAC personnel, uh, architects and engineers across the entire enterprise. And then the vendors all come kind of as a recruiting opportunity to kind of entice the young men and women into considering construction career. Um, Many of them are given an opportunity to sit in the seat of a backhoe and operate the arm. Uh, Do you ever bring the keys to your F-16? We don't put F-16s out there. It's (laughs) tough to get those at Papago. Somebody told me here that they live close. They'd be upset if we tried to land on the abandoned 5,200-foot runway out there. That would cause quite a stir at the corner of Oak and 52nd. But... uh, but uh, no, it's it's uh, it's a great opportunity. I think when they come out, we give them this exposure. And I've said, you know, for me, uh, one of the huge issues that we're working in state government is this issue of workforce development. And so, you know, we have a very young population here in the great state of Arizona, nearly 7 million citizens, about a million of them under the age of 25. And uh, we get about 28% of them that go off to uh, higher education, college or community college. About 25% of them work in the in retail sector. But the other 52%, I'm interested in that uh, area and how we can better provide them access to great jobs in the construction industry. We're fastest growing county in the nation, 100,000 a year coming in. And I tell people, imagine just starting from scratch halfway between here and Quartzsite and building a community for 100,000 folks. That would be a heavy lift. You know, there aren't a lot of cities of 100,000 in the state of Arizona, and you're adding one every year. That's exactly right. And we've got Corporal Bruce Stubbo here, and you're kind of like the perfect example of who we're trying, whose attention we're trying to get as a high school scholar, uh, virtually a straight-A student. uh, Almost. then, then, (laughs) then, Almost. Then you tell your counselor what? When, when your counseling oh, yeah. career, we were talking about earlier, you know, when I, uh, in probably summer 1999, 2000, you know, I mentioned to my high school counselor when she started talking to me about what colleges I was going to apply for. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to enlist in the Marine Corps. And you'd have thought I slapped her in the face. Yeah. So, you know, um, it, I mean, I, um, I, I was a okay student. If you're generous with the interpretation of okay, um, when my friends got out of college, I had a home with equity. Uh, my first truck paid off. Uh, these guys were all coming out of college, and I had a I had a pretty good step ahead of them. So, uh, I mean, if you could talk to the high school counselors in Arizona, what would you like them to know? I'd like them to know that you know being in the construction industry or the trades associated with the construction industry is clearly skilled labor. It is not unskilled labor. Uh, there's a, a professionalism and a talent and uh, um, intellect that's required to do that, combined with the the attitude that you want to get out and do something with your hands. And and it's amazing the opportunities that we we could create, growing a hundred thousand every year for bricklayers and welders and roofers and construction uh, concrete finishers in, in that in- enterprise. And you don't have to relocate to Quartzsite. Right. <laughs> Did you see that article this week about the seven dairy farms in Mesa that are approved as a council? 1,100 acres in Mesa from Warner to Elliott and Ellsworth. Seven dairy farmers are, are one step closer to selling out and either relocating their farms Uh-oh. or retiring. 
and they're going to designate 493 of that acres to housing, 200 mixed development, commercial retail. So that that doesn't necessarily have to mean going into construction. Oh, you absolutely. Have to go to- well, I'm just I use that as an <laughs> analogy to just say how difficult it is. Now, obviously, there's a huge amount of absorption. Uh, capability that we have in our here in the county, right? Maricopa County, four fifths of the state lives in Maricopa County, and uh, so you've got a huge infrastructure. And you know, as the state emergency manager and uh, 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 director of the Department of Military Affairs, I would I would argue that in the fastest growing county in the nation, if the United States Army is a personnel based service, this ought to be the place they're fishing for talent. When you look at recruiting, couple that with the fact that. As such a fast-growing county, uh, you're going to have all kinds of ability to grow into open spaces in an already uh, not super densely populated area, but there's access to all the things that you would need, schools and markets and everything else in Maricopa. Now, for the parents and the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles that are listening to today's broadcast, and they know they've got that child in their mind that's probably a perfect candidate for getting to this event. Is it open to the public? It is. I, I think that the way they run it is through the, the high school counselors. So the counselors set up uh, buses from the district, uh, essentially a field trip. They come out in the morning, uh, get the kids all hard hat. They get out and they spend basically two or three hours in the exhibition area. They can get on heavy equipment. They can drive nails. They can talk to pipe fitters. They can do any number of things, guys that work uh, power lines and, and all that type of stuff. They'll set up all their gear and they'll each, each vendor uh, has a different thing. They try yeah. to show them. And I tell the vendors, you know, I've told people, you know, one of the biggest challenges we have in this development area, in this workforce development is finding labor. And I say, Hey, the name of the game for these young kids, uh, is, uh, being able to obviously read and write, but uh, additionally being able to show up on time, stay drug free and, uh, and, and they'll train you. Yeah, it's clear that the appetite for the vendors that come out to this, uh, they are looking for people that will show up on time and they'll train you. Oh, man. We're, we're starving for a skilled labor workforce. And as, as the registered contractors, who I know you know, Jeff, uh, you know, he talks about the fact that building has become so much more sophisticated. Uh, it's really the building. It's the world of building science. Right. It is, and 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 I I think that there's so much available um, in terms of workforce development and training to the the business owners and the folks that are in this industry. They clearly have uh, perfected how they want to take uh, young kids that are willing and able uh, and and make them productive. The beauty of the guard, I tell uh, you know, we talked about the aunts and uncles and the the military's role in this. The beauty of the guard is uh, a kid from uh, Chandler can go off. And get trained by the military in whatever his specialty is and work in skilled labor and serve here in his home community. There you go. We're here at Rosie on the House. Honored to be talking to Major General Michael McGuire, the Adjutant General for Arizona, talking about an event that's coming up this week, November 7th and 8th. It's the 17th Arizona Construction Career Days, focusing on giving high school kids a small little window to look into what a career in the construction industry and trades could look like for them. Now, when we get back, it's my show, so I get to take it the conversation wherever I want to. We're going to go on a little bunny trail. Okay, that sounds great. The rest of your title 
is Arizona Department of Emergency and Military Affairs. Yep. I want to know that emergency. Okay. Topic. We can talk about that. I'd love to for All just right. a couple of minutes. We'll be back, y'all. Cruise it through the Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford and Rosie on the house. Segment number two in our Arizona Hours, where we have our true or false trivia question for a set of Arizona State Park passes. We talked last week about Hershaw, the abandoned mining town that may just reopen in southern Arizona based on huge deposits of lead, zinc, and silver. Here's the question. As we're in November now and our staycation destination moves to Kingman, also known for its mining, Lead, zinc, and silver is also mined from this region as well. And if you think that's true, text TRUE to 411923. If it's false, text FALSE. We'll pick a random right winner at the end of this programming segment and send you to any one of Arizona's 35 state parks. Continuing our conversation with Major General Mike T. McGuire. Uh, and Rosie had posed the question going to break, what does the Emergency and Military Affairs Department of your job title include? Well, so uh, as I mentioned, uh, on the emergency management side, we are analogous to uh, uh, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, you know, the blue windbreakers with the yellow uh, letters on the back, (laughs) sometimes good press, sometimes bad. I like to tell people this about emergencies. Uh, All politics are local. All emergencies are local. Therefore, all emergencies are political. It's a transitive property, right? What I'll tell you is that our attitude in Arizona is we absolutely believe that our 15 counties, our local first responders and the rest, they're in the best position to know exactly how to respond to local communities when they're in duress, be it flood, fire, improvised nuclear device, some kind of man-made event, earthquake, doesn't matter. And the state's role is to manage resources when they're overwhelmed. So think about a major flooding incident in Pinal County, for example. Pinal County brings forward all their uh, capacity, and they need additional resources. We're going to reach out as the state to other jurisdictions as well as provide manpower through our National Guardsmen. The, the unique nature of the National Guard is we serve at race subordinate to Governor Doug Ducey as the commander-in-chief, and only when federalized do we then chop control to the President of the United States as primary combat reserve for the Army and the Air Force. The second half of our duty there, the military affairs piece, is to develop that ready force. So we have approximately 8,000 soldiers and airmen, uh, about 2,900 airmen, about 5,500 soldiers, and uh, they their duty is to maintain readiness uh, and be ready when called. Uh, and to give you some perspective, since 9-11, the Arizona National Guard, those 8,000 people have deployed 12,000 man years. So if you think about that, if, if since 9-11, each one of us didn't retire, none of us separated, decided to go do something else, we each would have spent about a year and four months uh, forward uh, on some type of deployment. And uh, is any of that local? I mean, I'm, when you say picture of flood in Pinal, I, I have. I, that, that is. <laughs> some of that is local. Um, but when you talk about the deployment piece, we can bring guardsmen forward. We routinely do to do things like support for the Super Bowl, the Final Four championship, these kind of pre-scripted events that we're aware of. But if there's an emergency uh, request, we will manage the request as required. There are certain things that we can do very well. 
Uh, we bring a lot of aviation resources, a lot of air traffic control capacity that may not be resident in the civilian sector in a major incident. Most of the stuff about what you'd consider to be normal law and order stuff, we're going to go to other jurisdictions, police departments first, and we'll use guardsmen for things like cordon support, passing out food, ice, and water, filling sandbags. We do a lot of fuel transportation a lot of movement behind the scenes, a lot of sustainment of the operation if and when we get into a prolonged type of emergent situation. We're going to have to have the general back just to talk about more of this. But we invited you in to talk about the construction career. That's right. Days, that's right. Which you're hosting. That's right. We are hosting that next week, the 7th and 8th of November. We'd like to thank you as a community for y'all hosting it for the last 14 or 15 years. Yeah, we've been doing it almost since the beginning. This is the 17th year. 3,500 high school kids coming to take a look into what a career in construction could possibly look like with about 60 different vendors uh, demonstrating all aspects of the construction and mining. Right. Mining Mining industry is there as well. So high school counselors, there's a need for it. And that was one thing my one of my teachers in high school said, you know, the world needs ditch diggers as a condescending thing. I'm like, well, yeah, to ditch it to bring the water and the utilities in, and they're not doing it by hand like they the the Hopis did in a Casa Grande with sticks and. <laughs> yeah. We've got pretty sophisticated equipment. Right, great equipment. And uh, it it could be looked at as multiple ways. It could be a complete career. Uh, it could be a way to pay yourself through pay your way through college so you can you know you don't have to go on that streamlined track and you don't have to come out in a huge amount of debt maybe you take five or six years and you come out debt free absolutely and we we've we look at it as uh there's just a lot of natural nexus between those that want to get out and use their hands and be in the military i mean there's a lot of similar personality traits between a lot of the folks that are in the construction industry or may aspire to do that and those that may have a passion to serve as well and it's not all labor. You've got estimators, you've got support staff, you've got supervisors, you've got business owners, and a lot of them started from the bottom. So starting out in a trade, that's not your end path. That's the beginning. It, tro- it teaches them great followership and leadership, which is key to great communities. Well, again, Major General Mick McGuire. Yes. Arizona as Adjutant General. I just can't thank you enough for taking time out of your must be incredibly busy, important schedule to come visit with us. Well, Rosie, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You got a great team, and I'm uh, proud to be in Arizona and a great American citizen. And your answer to this week's trivia question is true. Lead, zinc, and silver have all been mined out of the Kingman area as well. If you text a true, watch your phone. We're going to text a random right winner during this break. Tuned up and rolling. It's the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. And having General Mick McGuire is another perfect example of why we need to have a live mic on during breaks. Did you get some good stuff? He had some really neat stuff we didn't even get to on air, but we'll have to have him back. It's the Arizona Hour here at Rosie on the House, and uh, in 1962, the Dinosaur Caverns were a popular Route 66 attraction in Kingman. Now, they're today known as the Grand Canyon Caverns, and here's why. Geologists would light off red smoke bombs into the cave looking for ways to come out and they did finally find smoke coming out 60 miles away in the Grand Canyon and that's how the dinosaur caverns got renamed to 
the Grand Canyon caverns, which is always one of those things I wondered going through Kingman. I'm like, we are so far from the Grand Canyon. <laughs> why are they calling the Grand Canyon caverns? But there's why. Kingman is our featured staycation destination of the month. You can enter to win at ArizonaStaycation.com. We're taking entries now for, I guess we're all the way into uh, into January, right? Because we've already drawn Prescott's winner. So we're drawing, it's actually going to be a Phoenix staycation. It's too cold in the mountains to send anybody <laughs> up to this. So we did it last year. We sent them skiing. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to stay in the desert this time for January. So you can enter to win your Arizona staycation at ArizonaStaycation.com. Fantastic. Well, we've got another special guest in uh, this morning, Patrick Ziegert, the president of Operation Freebird, Freedom Bird. Patrick, what is Operation Freedom Bird? Operation Freedom Bird is a local nonprofit here in Arizona that helps support Arizona combat veterans from all conflicts, um, all eras, and essentially <clears throat> it's an extension of a therapy that our combat veterans are seeking to help them from post-traumatic stress, unresolved grief or loss that was associated with their time in service. So um, it's 32 years old. It's the longest running nonprofit of its kind. And uh, it's really designed to ensure that our heroes, our nation's heroes, our combat veterans can just take that one step closer to coming all the way back home. It, it, it was founded here kind of... Uh, with Southwest Airlines, right? So Southwest is our huge sponsor. Every year they, they help us by donating the tickets there and back to Washington, D.C. Um, it's a four-day healing journey that we take. And from, that's that's a plane full of 737 veterans? It's 50. So 50. 50, yep, okay. So um, every year it's 50 folks. But okay. Pat, Pat Lynch founded this 32 years ago. He's a Vietnam-era vet um, and uh, in Vietnam, was a crew chief and was uh, shot down in Vietnam uh, earned the Silver Star, he's highly decorated, and he came back and used his GI Bill to obtain his commercial pilot's license. And at the time, he realized that the airline was flying to Washington, D.C. From, from Arizona, and he went to the president of the company and said, I'd like to go and visit, but I really don't want to go by myself. So it started, and the president of the company said, well, load up a plane, find vets, and let's go. And logistically, that's just not going to happen. So he wanted to find, you know, enough that we could fill a tour bus. And so it turned out to be 50. It was a round number. Went into the community, made connections with organizations like the vet centers who provide readjustment counseling for combat veterans. And we started working with uh, nominations, finding people that were prepared in their journey along this, this path of getting well um, to go back to D.C., and to visit places like the wall. And originally it was Vietnam veterans, but it's expanded. So during the journey, um, we visit memorials that are dedicated to folks' conflicts. We help process um, those folks that have these memories or things that they're trying to work through. And each night we participate in some group counseling to just make sure that um, this is going to have some great therapeutic value for them. But, yep, 32 years ago, Pat Lynch started this whole thing and... Uh, we, we don't ask our vets to contribute a nickel, and so even our staff is unpaid. And it's really an extension of the kinds of help that our veterans are getting here at home. We maintain a good relationship when we come back with those providers to ensure that they're continuing their journey. Well, I do know one veteran who has participated, and I know from personal experience and relationship with him what it meant to go and do this as a guest. It's just kind of the, 
it's just kind of an honor to be invited as a guest and have it taken care of. And y'all have all the logistics taken care of. And they get to go. I mean, you must have some incredible veteran stories. Oh, boy. I, I, I could sit here for the rest of the day and share those with you, Rosie. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's a, it, for folks that participate, it's, it, it can be a life-changing event. I went in 2010. I'm a combat veteran that struggled with my own reintegration issues and suffered from grief and loss. And um, I went on the 2010 journey, and it was the most pivotal part of my own recovery. And so I became involved in the organization 10 years ago. Um, and for those 10 years when I participated, there are countless stories that I could tell. But I'll share one real quick one with Good. you. Okay. Do, please. Um, we had a participant that came with us a few years ago, um, a Vietnam veteran, and had a high school buddy. And both of them got drafted and sent to Vietnam. Um, the participant firmly believed that his friend didn't make it back. And they, they, they obviously didn't communicate upon this person's return. And he firmly believed that the, his friend had, had not made it back from Vietnam. So through his, his uh, processing, through his, his treatment that he was getting for his post-traumatic stress, um, he was nominated to come on the journey with us and had a real hard time even going to see the wall itself. But his purpose was to go and find the name of his high school buddy. Um, just to have some closure and everything. So um, one night we went down to the to the wall. And we have support from our park services volunteers that have, you know, logs of names and where the panel is going to be and where this name is supposed to be. And I remember walking down the wall, and uh, he the panels are, are are split up by the years, you know. Right. So he knew where he was supposed to go. And as he's looking for this particular panel and was looking for this particular name. At the same time, from the other side of the wall, um, there were some folks that were migrating closer to us and got closer. And about the time that our participant was going to try and find where his friend's name was supposed to have been, um, another person ended up at the same place at the same time, and they looked at each other, and it turned out that it was his high school friend Ooh. that was looking for our participant's name because he believed he didn't make it back from Vietnam either. And that was decades later that they made that connection and until that time believed each of those never made it back from the war. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, that, that ground in that area of the mall is hollow ground. It is. You've got the Korean monument. Sure. You've got the Vietnam wall. And uh, my, my first trip back to go find a name of a friend. I mean, you get quivers. Oh yeah. Walking up to that wall. Right. Knowing you're going to see a friend's name. Right. Yep. And then to have that friend tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I was just looking for you. Yeah. Can you believe it? Uh -uh. Decades later. I, it was amazing. And the interesting thing, each year, we call that wall magic. And each year. That, that's, that's a great name for it. That yeah. is wall magic. And we experience that every time, you know, for the last, at least the 10 years that I've been involved, I've witnessed it firsthand. And I hear stories about things that happened before I was even with the organization that it really, really does help people bring closure. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible healing organization. Do y'all have any trouble at all finding 50 veterans a year? Sometimes we do. So this, it's based on nominations. So uh, folks that are involved in their readjustment counseling have to be nominated by their provider. Um, 
you know, we've got over 625,000 service members, veterans, and their families here in Arizona. It's roughly 10% of the population. So we, we have a lot. But it is sometimes a challenge to um, be able to connect with vets that are, are ready to go on this journey. So emotionally and physically prepared and have the nomination from their provider to make sure that this is going to be the next right step in their recovery. So sometimes it's a bit of a challenge. Um, but we've been blessed, um, especially recently, that uh, we've been able to find good candidates and we can help them along their journey as well. And how does a veteran become a candidate? Who Clarify for me a little bit. Who nominates them? So a couple of ways. Um, you can self-nominate by going to our website, um, operationfreedombird.org. Um, the, the stipulations are that you have to be a combat veteran here in Arizona and that you are actually engaged in some kind of uh, readjustment counseling, some treatment for your service-connected PTSD or grief or loss or whatever. So we have to make sure that our folks are getting services. Um, or our providers, so if you're talking to a counselor, the counselor can get online and provide a nomination form as well. Okay. So. All right. What war is mostly represented? Is there one more than the other? Um, it's still Vietnam vets. Wow. Are, they're a majority of folks. Um, but, I mean, considering all of the global conflicts that we've been in, certainly since 9-11, we've opened it up. There's one journey. We had Korean, World War II, Vietnam, Afghan, and Iraqi vets all on the same bus. So it really just is open to all conflicts. That's amazing. And it's how, how big of a event? It's a four-day event? It is. So every year, it's November 9th through the 12th. Um, so we're there during Veterans Day in Washington, D.C. On the mall for the, Veterans Day. And, boy, I tell you, you know, the relationship that we've been able to build out there, we're the only organization that gets an uh, internal guided tour of the Pentagon on Veterans Day um, by the staff that does the dignitary tours. So heads of state that want to come to the Pentagon, it's the wow. same folks that give us the tour we're the only organization that gets there on Veterans Day because people really do appreciate the power of our organization and what we do to help our veterans heal. That's fantastic. For 30 years, you've been taking 50 vets. Yes, sir. Back to the mall. Absolutely. And just let them experience the wall magic. You bet. And, yep, we, we, we guide them. We hold their hands when we need to. Plenty of hugs that go around. Uh, but really help them on their, their own journey to, to their recovery. What is that ratio to people who are there to help and then the ones that are coming? So typically we bring five staff members. So obviously our, our clinical uh, chief clinician, we bring a couple of other staff members just to make sure uh, that we can keep accountability. If things come up, um, we've got other counselors that can pull people off to the side to have individual conversations um, and also to help guide those evening uh, sessions where we, we get together as a group and talk. And then any logistical things that come up, you know, either with the hotel or the meals or the bus, whatever. So it's five staff members generally. Sometimes it just kind of a little bit more. And uh, But we really try to bring as many veterans as we can. How, how would we support Operation Freedom Bird? So one way is to get on the website operationfreedombird.org. You're going to find links to how you can donate. Um, each year, we have uh, a golf tournament that helps raise funds. Um, you'll find information about that tournament on the particular website. Um, and, you know, what's interesting is most of the funding that we get is because of past participants. Either yeah, I bet. Yep, I, can, I can imagine that. Themselves or family members or friends that just see 
the incredible healing that takes place, um, they feel almost compelled to help support the organization. Now, y'all have an annual banquet. Is that open to the public or is that by invitation only? So tickets, and we're still working on that. So the okay. details, um, we're, we're hammering out the details of that banquet. Um, nothing's finalized, um, but generally we try and have some sort of fundraising dinner event each year. Um, but certainly that golf tournament is going to be a, a good way for people to come out experience what we do, and just have a great time and to support the organization. And you, as a combat veteran of yes, both sir. the Army and Navy. Yes, sir. Thank you for your service. Well, you're welcome, and thank you. Yeah. Now, and you've made the trip. I did. 2010, it was part of my own journey to, to deal with some things that I experienced when I was in combat, and it changed my life. It really, really did. What is your role now? Uh, right now, I'm the military veteran advocate for United Healthcare's community plan here in Arizona. And, and serving president of Operation Freedom Bird. Uh, yes, sir. I am the president of Operation Freedom Bird. Okay. Well, again, the website? OperationFreedomBird.org. Okay. Taking our Arizona veterans mm -hmm. on life-changing journey to the National Mall where they can visit all the memorials, I guess. I Correct. mean, yep. it's a, it's a four-day event where y'all have got... Uh, we might want to come back and just a minute and tell us what happens over the course of that four days. The wall's part of it. The Pentagon tours were part of it. Let's talk about what else is involved right after that. We're going to, have to take a short break. Sounds good. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Now into our new month of November, we're featuring Kingman as our featured staycation destination. If you've ever been there, you know Andy Devine's a pretty big name up there. He, uh, he was an actor, been in a number of movies with John Wayne, Roy Rogers, uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Probably most notably to the majority of the audience was he was the Badger in Disney's 1973 uh, Robin Hood. The, oh, the voice? He, the voice, yes. No, he wasn't the real Badger. It was just the animated <laughs> voice. Some people thought he was the real Badger. Though. <laughs> you look at him, he kind of he passed for it. Hey, Ma! <laughs> Very good, Gary. He considers Kingman his home, but he was actually from Flagstaff. He was relocated at the age of one when his father got a settlement from the rail company after losing his leg working on the rail line. The money from the settlement he got was enough for him to purchase Hotel Beale and relocate the family to Kingman. And they now celebrate Andy Devine Day every year in September. Just a little bit about the town of Kingman, Arizona. We'll be featuring all month long as our featured staycation destination. And if you're looking for a new adventure, uh, the Canal Convergence Water, Art, and Light going on November 8th to the 17th, put on by the city of Scottsdale, is featuring its brewing showcase. It's the night of the 8th and the 9th, next Friday, uh, next Saturday, Sunday night. And attendees can go and enjoy brewers beers from local uh, breweries Brewery. mm -hmm. all the water used comes directly from the city of scottsdale's water treatment plant mm -hmm. waste water treatment plant the first ever to get a permit to use recycled water <laughs> and brewing a lot of faces could, going on in if here you <laughs> could see the faces in, but but I, I will tell you romy and i toured the facility and from the point a dishwasher runs or a toilet flushes in North Scottsdale, 12, or even, 12 even, hours later, it's perfectly 
pure drinking water out of a tap at the Scottsdale Water Reclamation Plant. And they're and Romy and I both had a, a glass full of it. And they take that to the local brewery, and and this isn't ongoing. This is just for this event. Yeah. Um. They obviously the goal is to eventually make it uh, ongoing, but just for this event, they've got a permit and a license to then use it to make these specialty beers by a lot of local places. We've been to Mother Brunch. Uh, we've been to Oso. We've been to Fates. Uh, all participating in this event, you can go to canalconvergence.com for more details if you're just so inclined. It's a really cool event, a very cool event, just to walk around and have a beer. I mean, come on. <laughs> of course. Just all water's recycled. you got to get that in your That's mind. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the 12 hours at the Scottsdale plant's a lot shorter than the nature's, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> two, three-year filtering <laughs> process. <laughs> all right. We're here with Patrick Ziegert the president of Operation Freedom Bird, and we want to talk just a little bit. You take Arizona veterans to the National Monument, the mall, uh, to the War Memorial Monument. Uh, tell us what the veteran will experience in their full four-day event. Sure. So first of all, they've been engaged in some kind of program already to, to help address what it is that they're going through. Um, so... There are some expectations that this is going to be an extension of what it is that they're going to get help with initially. Um, but when they're nominated, um, they're set on a path of uh, meeting with our, our counseling staff. They're provided information about what the journey is going to be about. And the day that we leave, November 9th, uh, every year it's always the 9th through the 12th of November over Veterans Day, we all meet early, early in the morning at the airport um, where we can issue the airline tickets and get the baggage things ready to go. Um, but from that point, we all move as a group. So from that point, we are all just one unit, if you can imagine, no matter where it is that we go. So on the 9th, we take off. Uh, we land in D.C., and we get settled in at uh, our, our hotel. And that very first night, um, at night, we go and visit the Vietnam Mall. Um, so uh, very empowering, and it, it just breaks the ice. Over the next course, of, you know, the three following days, um, we have exclusive tour for the Pentagon. We visit um, or VIP seating at the wall during Veterans Day. Um, we visit the Iwo Jima Memorial. Um, normally, the Marine Corps birthday is on the 10th, but this year we're going to have to miss it because they celebrated the day that we leave. Um, and then each night we, we have a group session to kind of process the things that we went through. And then we come home on the 12th. Operation Freedom Bird. Patrick, I can't thank you enough for coming in and sharing the story with us. Thanks for the opportunity. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, here. well, we really appreciate you, your service, and all of our veterans. If you want to watch a video, go to OperationFreedomBird.org and watch the video of Barry Wilson, a man too tough to cry, that breaks down.